0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He was kind enough to come back on. This is the second time on the podcast. We've got nine-time European Championship medalist, Pavel Sankovic. Hi,
1: Coleman. Glad to be here again. (laughs)
0: Today, we're getting into some nitty gritty stuff. I'm really excited to talk about it with you. Um, you know, last time we kind of went through your story, your narrative, uh, in your swimming career and now what you're doing with coaching, but today, um, we're getting into the details and specific elements of core strength, underwater, kick, speed turns, breakouts we'll, we'll see how far we get, but, um, let's, let's just start with the why, you know, you, you came to me with this topic and you're like, Hey, I really wanted to talk about this. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what made the difference for you? Why is this such an emphasis for you personally in swimming?
1: Well, I was thinking not only about, uh, you know, something I was focusing on, but, um, on what I focus on right now with my swimmers, simply because yard swimming, it's, is uh, so much different from, um, uh, well, anything else, uh, even short course meters is, uh, a little bit of a difference, but long course, you know, it's like two different events. So, um, yeah, obviously that's something I like, but, um, it's something that's very important for yard swimming specifically. And I feel like, you know, that's the audience.
0: <laughs> Certainly in the U S that is our audience yard swimming is, is a culture. It's nearly a religion uh, and you know, who doesn't, who doesn't like short and fast stuff. Um, but sure. I mean, that, is, that is a big emphasis. So let's, let's start with just underwater kick speed. You know, you were a big underwater kicker. You, you were one of the best in the world at it. Um, I mean, what, when you think underwater kicking, what's your focus, what do you work
1: on? Well, I always, uh, try to try to teach. And that's what I was thinking, you know, you always should go from the core Uh, even we call it you know it's kick it's legs but uh, in reality it's mostly core obviously your legs getting tired because it's such a big muscle and uh, you're trying to use it in very um, specific but unnatural for human body uh, manner Uh, so yeah I definitely focus on the core uh, and flexibility with uh, you know, sp- specific body composition, you have to focus really on different things. Somebody have, uh, somebody will have really, uh, flexible lower back and, or big feet. And, uh, you know, for somebody, it's not the case. So you have to work on ankle flexibility and just, uh, a lot of stretching, a lot of specific exercises. Uh, so it, it really depends on, um, I guess, uh, your, your natural talent and what do you lean towards too?
0: Yeah. And I mean, for, for you, when you were developing your underwater speed, um, both when you were back in Europe and in the United States, uh, I mean, what did, what did you have to work on? What did you find most helpful?
1: Uh, well, the, to, to, to be great in underwater kick, I think. It's a uh, pretty simple advice but first thing you need to do is to start actually doing them and not just for one set or like kick set or like underwater set but all the time. So for me it was not not as some um, really magical advice or some really high profile coach that told me something it was just uh, when I was when I was I think 10 um, we, Swam to 2,000 in um, short course meters, freestyle, uh, just, you know, moderate speed. But the goal was to do five butterfly kick from each wall, which for a 10-year-old, you know, was a really, really hard task. And <laughs> I wasn't swimming for a long time at the moment. I was probably swimming, I don't know, maybe for two years. I progressed kind of quickly at the beginning, but still. And uh, I was the only one from the group who've done this five butterfly kick. Uh, from each wall, and I think at that moment, maybe a little bit later, I don't remember because you know it's such a young age. Uh, something clicked that you know I just need to do this all the time. And uh, at first, I started doing this for all strokes, and it was really hard because it's short course. You just you just do not breathe, and it's really heavy. Uh, any practice in recovery turns it into you know brutal breath control exercise. So what I finally decided um, kind of move forward with, uh, I started doing this only for backstroke, which is my main stroke. So I accepted this as the only possible way I can swim backstroke, uh, doing 15s all the time. And I think from the age, maybe 13 until like 20, uh, I was doing 15 underwater for any time, I swim backstroke at any point of practice. So warm down, warm up, you know, main set, doesn't matter what kind of set all out or just, you know, uh, pace, uh, or easy. I was just doing 15 underwater all the time. So I guess that's uh that's a good starting point just to start practicing it.
0: That sounds brutal. That, I mean, that, like you yeah. said, that sounds really, really hard, especially if you're doing, like, easy backstroke. That makes it very, very not easy, I'm assuming.
1: Yes, it is. Yes. One of the um, one of the hard, hardest sets, I think, for a short course I was doing on a regular basis, it was uh, three when I was younger, uh, three 300s backstroke, and you just have to descend one to three. Uh, but the only thing you have to do is... Um, uh is a uh, hold 15 underwater from every wall and uh one one more catch you have to do stroke count for every 25. So you basically cannot increase stroke count so it's in and and kick count so you're just working on really really powerful kick on every kick and really powerful stroke on every stroke and you know if if you do this correctly uh, it turns into a pretty brutal set. And it's obviously wasn't the set by itself. It was more like a finisher look at some point, either finishing for the week or like finisher for some kind of workout. Um, but yeah, the good advice I have to, um, to all swimmers who just want to get good at it, just uh, start practicing. You know, in the, in the regular practice, let's say 5K, um, you have how many of that? It's basically uh, 200, 200 turns, if I'm not mistaken, 199 turns. So you have 199 attempts to practice your underwaters. I mean,
0: <laughs> that set that by itself, sounds like a monster. Um, be, because if, if kick count and stroke count sounds the same, do you remember about what you were holding on those? Like So how many underwater kicks and then how many backstrokes would you take per 25?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. So on the easy one, even right now, on the easy swimming, I would do six uh, kick, which is going to take me from like four, you know, pace or just easy swimming. Well, on easy, easy, maybe five sometimes, but uh, that will take me straight to 15. Uh, and uh, for the pace like these sets, I would stick most of the time to seven. It's obviously depends a little bit on what kind of state you're in in your training. Sometimes you like just, uh, you know, jelly. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, most of the time that was seven. And for the stroke count, I do not remember really well in meters. Um I believe that it was seven and eight going to the turn or six, seventh going to the turn. Because in yards I usually do like four and fifth to the turn. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah, I guess it's two more strokes, probably.
0: Okay. So yeah, I mean that's <laughs> it's pretty wild that's a that's a good set i i'm definitely going to clip that one out and 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 that that's our teaser right there because that's uh i like that a lot and so so as you progressed i mean did your coaches kind of mold this around you i mean I, i'm guessing they were pretty encouraging with this because this isn't something again that they were like all right you have to be at 15 this is something that that you initiated so how did they react to
1: this? Uh, I'm actually not sure. I, well, first of all, I, I absolutely love my coach that uh, I had back home. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's big on uh, focusing on details. And I'm not sure if that's that was something I helped him to start focusing on more or he was focusing on this uh, even before. Um But yeah, I mean, they were definitely encouraging. And uh, he was also big on, you know, being efficient. So I think, I think, I think to some point, maybe I struggled a little bit at some point because most of the time I was focusing a lot on power per stroke, on length of the stroke, and not enough on tempo. Mm -hmm. So I was for a long period of time, mostly when I was younger. Uh, I was a really low-tempo swimmer, which is, you know, I'm six, uh, six, six zero uh, my height, so I'm not the tallest swimmer. But I was always relatively low on the stroke count. And um, because of that, I think, because of um uh, specific training that I've done, I struggled a little bit with the tempo. So it took me a few years when I was older to to kind of pick up on that. But, yeah, it definitely comes from the coach and the swimmer. You couldn't be one or another you know we always have to work in the synergy
0: Mm. and then you you come to the united states you get to florida state and the the ncaa system and how did that change
1: if it did at all your approach to underwaters um well i kind of after some period of time even before i came to us i kind of started um not giving myself slack, but I guess the trains start getting a little bit more serious. And, uh, I think first time I stopped doing underwater so all the time, that's the first time I tried high altitude training. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, we went, uh, we went to Georgia, the country, mm. um, and it was 2000 meters or around that, maybe I think 19, 1900s, wow. uh, and the very first practice, I obviously started doing what I was normally doing, and I just couldn't hold my breath even for fifteen. That was my first time ever. It was just uh, you know a little bit shocking how how hard it is to breathe and uh, just do any kind of breath control. So I think uh, I think that was the point where I um, start a little bit backing up on when I do this. It was definitely for main sets, definitely for kick. Uh, but sometimes, on the easier swimming on warm up, I was uh just kind of having given myself a little bit of a break um uh, mm. from underwaters or on drills you know to to have more time to do the drill because if you kick to fifteen, it's like one cycle of a drill and the tape yeah, so yeah it wasn't it wasn't because it was uh, getting harder, it was because of a little bit change of focus hmm.
0: which I mean if you were doing you know, underwater to 15, since you were 13, it seems like the change of focus is probably a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as soon, as soon, like when I was 13 and this turning point kind of, um, the thing with me and underwater started happening, I saw immediate, uh, improvement in my speed. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, qualified for first nationalist when I was 14, uh for short course um and yeah i mean underwater has brought a whole different level into into my training because uh legs, the the hardest muscles of your body if you ever like done lifting or anything you probably know the leg day is the heaviest day so same for swimming if you kick a lot and uh specifically butterfly kick breaststroke not so much uh you know, it, 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 it's a lot heavier, but it also gets you in shape a lot quicker and keeps you there. Hmm.
0: And so, I mean, speaking of kind of changing it up, switching your focus, you know, if if you're doing consistently kicking to 15, every time you swim backstroke off of every wall for, you know, six, seven years. Yeah. When, when you get to that transition point of, okay, I'm going to give myself a, a little slack. Um, what i mean how do you improve your underwaters it seems like at that point you know you've been doing kind of this same thing for so long um i mean did you have to change anything besides kind of not doing it all the time to take your underwaters to another level
1: uh i think it's going to be a couple of things Uh, obviously you can change things up and um um, new kind of training and um New just uh, trends and developments in swimming obviously help. But I would say the biggest thing is probably consistency. Um, I, 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 I truly think, and I sometimes tell some of my, my best swimmers uh, that you, you think that you swim all out and put in 100%, but in reality, you just didn't discover yet what 100% is. Uh, you just don't, even like 17, 18 year, year olds they probably didn't discover how to push their body consistently. So I'm not talking about one particular workout. Obviously, for one workout, they probably do push themselves 100% sometimes, hopefully most of the time. Uh, But, uh, you know, staying consistent with that effort, that's what makes a difference. Because, you know, swimming, we do a lot of repetitive stuff. So I, I believe the thing that makes the biggest difference is how consistent you are with uh, not only speed and under the effort in terms of, you know, how much you push yourself, but also being smart. So like focusing on details, bringing this focus into every practice.
0: I mean, and it, I hear that a lot when we have uh, young men and women heading to college, you know, it's, they, they, they get there and they're like, well, it's not necessarily any one workout that's like harder than what I was doing in high school, but it's the, Mm -hmm. it's the load. It's like the consistently having to, to be expected to push, you know, get, get to a hundred percent effort every single practice. Whereas in high school, I think, you know, they were, maybe they were less consistent or there was just different expectations on them.
1: I I totally agree with that. I think the biggest difference maker is uh, consistency. And also, um, I would assume that's the case for a lot of fast swimmers in in smaller clubs. Uh, I have, uh, his name Hayden Kwan. I have a swimmer who's uh, unofficially, there is a long story, but he's an officially Hong Kong record holder for 200 backstroke long course. Hmm. Uh, And uh, junior Nats finalist. So he, um, uh, I got, gosh, I lost, I lost it. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So he's basically doing a lot of training by himself because it just, uh, not a lot of fast swimmers who can match and uh, his speed and, uh, for certain sets, you know, other swimmers just don't need to do the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's for me it's a challenge to um keep him motivated it's 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 not a challenge in terms of his character he's really motivated himself but you know when you're working hard for a few weeks it's i feel like a need from me to support him uh during certain certain sets and uh i think the biggest difference when these kind of athletes go to college is that you know, they hopefully not even the best in their group. And I say, hopefully, because it's really great to have something that you have to chase. It's, it's so much harder that I, that's, again, that's my belief. It's so much harder to push yourself when um, people chase you. Uh, And uh, that's what I wished for. And that's was the initial idea to move to United States, because, um, most of the time I was trained by myself for the majority of my career and, uh, you know, swimming by yourself, it was just a kind of lucky train camp when I would find, uh, somebody to race or some, like, I don't know, um, some other stroke swimmer who I can train with for, for backstroke. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the biggest difference maker. And also the number of hours they spend at the pool, um, because, you know, from the from the time I joined national team, from maybe 15 years old, I was spending probably at least uh, six, seven hours at the pool. I'm I'm counting not only not only swimming, but you know, warm up before practice, uh, and practice itself, and drilling time, and then second workout. And uh, these swimmers, some of them spend like two hours a day, and that's it and some of them don't even come to every workout so it's like eight hours a week it's basically something that i was doing per day which is uh to some point just laughable to expect really drastic improvements from train eight hours a week um but yeah there there is opportunity to to improve with um club swimming and especially when you have a dedicated coach which i consider myself obviously one of them uh, but it's also should be um some dedication from from the swimmers themselves and i think that's probably the bigger part than uh, kind of intensity or how how coach good at motivation and you know encouragement that's probably secondary the first it, it should go from from the swimmers themselves
0: yeah Yeah, I I think that's a good point. And, you know, swimmers should have that internal motivation. Coaches should be trying to support that. Um, I want to bring it back to the the underwater focus, underwater kicking. You know, you said it comes from the core. And I think, you know, swimmers do hours and hours of, of ab exercises, ab workouts on dry land. Is there anything in particular that you found works really well to strengthen your core in the water, aside from obviously just, you know, doing a lot of dolphin kicking.
1: Uh, well, it's, I believe that it's not the specific exercise that, um, gonna s- strengthen your core a lot, but more bringing the focus to the core. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time, um, body naturally finds the easiest way to do the exercise and most of the time it means disengaging the core because uh if you remember from the time you were a swimmer if you engage your core properly it just takes your breath away it just you know it's a different level of endurance to be able to engage this core all the time um and engage it properly so what our bodies tend to do is just, you know, disengage it. You breathe, you like relax your stomach and the breath in and it feels good. Your hips sink. <laughs> Obviously it's not good for the speed, but it feels so much easier. Uh, you know, for, for longer stuff, you just feel more comfortable and it takes extra effort. effort and again, mostly, mostly here. So level of focus um, to uh, keep this core engaged. So, for, for even simplest exercises, um, like, uh, you know, I, I like tabletop crunch. Even a lot of my swimmers consider it, that's a rest exercise. You know, tabletop crunch when you connect opposite arm and leg to the elbow and then straighten it in a tabletop position. So, uh, this kind of stuff, if you do this correctly and bring focus to the core uh, and, uh, like, plank on one arm or lifting one leg and uh, plank with shoulder taps, um, you know, good mornings. And I mean, there is a lot of excess to go through, but the the focus is to just bring this tension to the core or even regular sit-ups. You know, most people would do, uh, first of all, I'm not a fan of any sit-ups except locked uh, fingers behind your head because anything else, I feel like kind of makes it a little bit easier unless you, really know how to bring specific focus, which is not the case with most uh, high school swimmers. Huh? You know, I'm not talking about Olympians. They know what they do most of the time. Uh, there is some like crazy talented, but most of the time, you know, they have enough experience to experiment. Yep. Uh, so with a sit-up, people would tend to like go to the knees, right? But what's the point of this, like this top, Top motion, you already disengage your abs, and there is nothing there. So mm-hmm. something like that, just adjusting this exercise that you see most of the people, most people do incorrectly, and just keeping the tension, like getting up, little, stopping a little bit before ninety degrees, and going back. That's already gonna bring a lot more engagement to the core. Uh, but that's awesome. We we're talking about isolate, isolated exercise, uh, like TRX. TRX is a very useful thing, which I found really hard to use with, again, high school swimming, I guess you just have too many people. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, generally, I would say just, uh, for, for, for the coach, my challenge is to figure out the way to engage core on regular exercises and just, uh, maybe really check on swimmers or help them feel how they engage their core, um, I'm trying to think of an example, high knees. High knees would be a good example where you can really fire up your core uh, or you can just, you know, jump up and down with, with your legs and the core would be completely disengaged, but you can really fire this core up and, and warm up and, you know, incline a little bit forward, keep this body really tense and yeah, you're going to be working in your core.
0: I mean, Just hearing you talk about that, I would never expect high knees to be a core engagement uh, exercise, but for the core, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing how many things you can get the core involved in, and Mm -hmm. then that you know that really does push it to a whole nother level, like you said. I mean, if you've ever just Again, engage the core, flexed your abs during while you're swimming. Normal freestyle, it's like whoa, that's way different.
1: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're not trying to uh, just flex, but there is supposed to be a certain um, certain goal for a core engagement, like for freestyle, you know, tucking your hips forward a little bit to leave this this lower back up, or like for butterfly on the catch to to improve your um kick strength um but yeah with uh if if, if we're talking about what i do specifically with my swimmers uh, it's still most of the stuff m- most stuff in the water so we're just uh you know focusing on various kick exercises various arms position and uh just uh, using enough butterfly kick to build this strength and again it's always there is always a way to avoid using your core so people who want to avoid it and for coach you know when you stand on deck it's uh if you have like even 20 swimmers you're probably able to judge if they engage their core or not but you're not going to be able to pay attention to every single person and control it so if they want to avoid it and they want to skip using core they actually can't. So it's really up to the swimmer to, to learn and, uh, use the knowledge we're trying to pass and, you know, improve their speed.
0: Yeah. I, I want to transition to turns now and to start that, uh, how, you know, tell me, tell me what you feel is important or for, for younger swimmers to know about turns, but also is, I mean, do you use your core and when you're doing a good turn? and if so how
1: yeah yeah for sure you can use in your core to improve your streamline from a push off so i i believe that the most important part of your turn is actually push off so basically when you finish your turn mm-hmm. so how you how you finish your turn and transition to the next 25 and uh i like to consider turn a part of the next 25 than the part of the previous 25 Because you know, I know that most of the people they're gonna turn fine. If and again, just to clarify, when I'm talk, we're talking right now discussing things. I most of the time talk about like more advanced swimmers, so like 14 plus, you know, more advanced group. Mm. Not talking about like very beginners or intermediate groups. Um. So yeah, I I like to think of a turn as method to improve your following 25 not to finish this current 25 as fast as as you can so the common i think theme especially in yards when you have like you know so many turns is people try to rush the turn they try to focus on the speed of their rotation which is great i mean obviously you should master that everybody should be good at it and most of u.s swimmers like very impressive with this because um You know, you you train this from the very beginning. Uh, Most of the people do yards. I was very very impressed by you know speed of the turns, but the vast majority of like ACCs and CAA swimmers. But if you screw up, you push off. There is no point of this quick rotation. You know, on rotation you can win compared to another fast swimmer. What like 500 of a second, maybe one ten but the push off could improve your next 25 by like half a second. So, you know, I believe the, the, the proper placement of legs, uh, proper streamline after the turn. So really keeping the core engaged and push off, uh, pushing off in, in a really perfect streamline, not having any resistance, not trying to like push off and immediately bend, trying to like go into a fly kick uh, as soon as your legs leave the wall um is really key for a good turn so um i I like to think and uh again tell some more advanced swimmers that uh while when we watch the race every element and turn specifically should be seamless so it should not be any speed difference or fluctuation in between like previous 25 turn and the next 25 obviously you have some acceleration when you push out but you know, like uh, delays when you like pause in the last stroke and then you turn, or uh, you just like accelerate last two strokes. It should be seamless. But at the same time, when you race, I like to think of a turn as a separate element to, to element to focus on. So really, kind of obviously, we're not talking about like um, um, like nationals level when you just able to like lock in and focus on the race itself on the effort but more like a seasonal meets or just uh, any meat for a little bit younger swimmer when they're really working on these kind of details uh so seeing this as a separate element to focus on and uh, obviously that's a quick element it's something that quick happens like this uh, but when you do this all the time, even if we're talking about like one second, it's enough time to think. It's enough time to like feel every element, like focus on leg, leg placement and uh, just uh, giving yourself just enough time to properly place your legs on the wall and push off and not just, you know, finish the turn, kind of have some space in between your foot and the wall and then try to push off through the water and hit the wall. So uh, yeah, that's another good good, good uh, focus point. I like the turn to kind of go right into the wall and feet supposed to basically maybe even like rub the wall a little bit to be able to push off right away and not have some water in between your leg and the wall and then push through the water and push off. So it's the same, it's the same as jump on adrenaline, you know, try to like jump up, land and jump again which is harder than just to jump or like step in and jump. So basically you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have this space in between your leg and the wall when you're like rotating, you just, it's just so mm-hmm. much harder. If you're like big dude, you maybe you have, you can get away with that, but, uh, and really powerful, but for most swimmers, that's going to cost, um, cost a lot of time and, mm-hmm. and energy.
0: Yeah, which which makes total sense. And then I mean, going into a breakout, what do you what do you think the keys are? What did you find, you know, worked for you um, when thinking about a breakout? Because, again, I think those are little details that most swimmers, especially at maybe a high school level, even a collegiate level, don't put a ton of thought into. But like you said, you know, that can be half a second easily per 25.
1: Yeah, well, um, even a good example would be with uh, the same swimmer, Hayden Kwan. where we're focusing on trying to fix is uh, uh, at the very beginning, he was doing butterfly kick into his first stroke. Well, first of all, a lot of swimmers don't do your first stroke underwater, which is, um, I believe, not that hard to learn. And I believe it's a mistake if you don't do first stroke underwater. And uh, you know, break through and then make your first stroke on the surface.
0: Are you talking about backstroke?
1: Uh, well, back or free. Okay. Okay. And you know, if, but for butterfly and breaststroke, it's just a catch that's that's underwater, maybe half of the stroke even. Uh, but for freestyle and back, you know, that's a full stroke underwater. Uh, mm-hmm. That's you're supposed to make before breaking the surface and. Uh, so he was doing fly kick with this first stroke, which leads to a lot of turbulence and uh, just uh, losing a lot of speed on the breakout. Uh, if you're able to do this seamlessly, it's not a problem. But um, you know, for this specific case, it was a problem. So we transitioned to uh, flutter kick as soon as you start pulling. So you finish your last fly kick, you flutter kick in, and start pulling on the mm-hmm. on the very first stroke. Mm-hmm. And that led to a lot of improvement. And another thing is obviously holding these underwaters and uh, for as long as you hold the speed, not just holding for no purpose, but for, for as long as you hold the speed. If your leg's just done, there's no purpose of holding underwaters. You're just not going not gonna to have speed. Um, but, you know, it improves in training. And if you're able to, extra one meter, two meters underwater it's probably like half a second per per meter underwater on the last wall. That's why you see so often high level swimmers like, uh, uh, Tom Shields or Chad Leclerc, uh, win on the last 25 because they hold underwaters. There is somebody who, um, like, you know, Kale Dressel who were able not to hold underwaters for as long, not right into 15 and just pull incredible power incredible speed on the surface and win the race uh, but you know that's just another example uh but underwater speed definitely um i believe easier to maintain to finish the race if you if you train that compared to like keep the body in the proper position and try to like accelerate so much on the surface compared to other people staying underwater so um Yeah, basically two things. First, focusing on accelerating when you break through, because you're not just kicking now, you're also pulling. So for a short period of time, it should be acceleration, not slowing down on the first stroke. Uh, Not rushing that stroke. So you have so much speed that it doesn't make sense to rest the tempo on the first couple of strokes, which is a lot of swimmers tend to do. They just like, you know, break through and the tempo like they just spin and then get into proper rhythm. Uh, so if anything, first stroke could be just a tiny bit longer, barely visible, but a tiny bit longer than, uh, all the rest of the strokes and, uh, while obviously holding them, um, the basic start to, st- to start with, the basic thing to start with should be o- honestly the number of kick you do. You should know that number. You should you should know this. You should master it. You should just practice it all the time. Same number, not different numbers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we, if we talk about like specific elements, that those probably gonna be uh, three proper first stroke on the breakout, proper legs transition, um, and just the length. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm down to about five minutes here and, you know, I think we've covered quite a bit of ground. We've gotten into some of those nitty gritty details of underwater kick, core strength turns, breakouts. Is there any, anything we missed or anything you want to dive into? Um,
1: yeah. Um, well, also, also, uh, we didn't talk about the body position in terms of, not the, you know, high body position, but in terms of movement left and right, that's obviously specific for freestyle and backstroke. I believe that's also a big thing. Um, why, you know, core is important. Just come back to core strength. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. As you can see, like it's everywhere. We everywhere. swim from, from a core, you know, if we, if you look at the fish, you know, they stick <laughs> with their core. So ideally <laughs> that's what you want to do. Uh, so yeah, any movement left and right which tends to happen towards the end of the race or when you approach the turn and just fo- focus tend to shift a little bit and you you, you focus on um, basically not the, not the wrong thing but maybe uh, just not giving enough focus to the core position anymore mm. like, like looking at the flags for backstroke you're just like expecting the wall freestyle and these hips try start to like wobble a little bit You obviously uh, have a lot more resistance now, and uh, you're definitely gonna lose speed over there.
0: And that again, yeah, it's it's especially on top of the water when you're swimming. Core isn't something that's always necessarily top of mind. You know, it's you always talk about the rotation on backstroke Mm -hmm. and freestyle, but you never. It it doesn't always get brought up of like, okay, but you need to use the core to, to use that rotation.
1: Yeah. Rotate from the core. It, that's entire, entire thing. Like, uh, you know, for Russian twist, people tend to just, uh, shift their arms around, but what about like <laughs> rotating the shoulder? Like that's, that's a point to rotate the shoulder. That's why we would do like Russian twist and people just, you know, shift <laughs> their arms and that's how you swim guys. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, those are basically two different things. And uh, sometimes you can get away with that. Like, let's say Ryan Lofty for backstroke, you know, he's like leaning left and right a little bit. Uh, but that's just a particular case. Sometimes you can gain more than you sacrifice. You sacrifice a little bit of something uh, mm-hmm. like with the, with the arms movement underwater, which, you know, Caleb Dressel, the probably at the moment, the most famous example of doing that. Uh, but I always had that. And uh, I'm just thinking who's going to be, well, without bringing any more examples, still you sacrificing uh, your streamline less, <laughs> I guess we can say uh, you're not as streamlined anymore. You are probably catching a tiny bit more resistance, but you gain more power. You're able to use your core more and uh, you gain range of motion. So it's, uh, it's a matter of, stand efficient with what you're good at. And even if you're sacrificing tiny bits, something else, but gaining more, it's, it's going to worth it.
0: Hmm. Uh, Yeah. And I, I've had that discussion before of, okay, do you, do you go from the core down or do you do, you know, does your whole body, do your arms get involved too? And, uh, like you said, I think it's, yeah, it's kind of a cost benefit
1: situation.
0: Um,
1: like Kavik, Miller or Kavik or, hmm. uh, um, what was the? Oh yeah, Ian Crocker he, Yeah, there there were two who were not using a lot of uh, you know upper body movement, but small small uh high high tempo kick and were really effective with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I actually coach with Ian now, and um, oh yeah, and yeah, he he talks
1: about that a lot. Just
0: yeah, he's from, a big mystery.
1: This is like he's a big mystery for me. From the standpoint of like when he was an athlete, like how he performed and how early he finished his, uh, you know, very, very high level career with his amazing, basically breakthrough results at a time. Uh, yeah, I would have a lot of questions for him if I get a chance to talk to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I can, maybe that'll be our next podcast. We'll, we'll drag you in and, (laughs) um, (laughs) Well, Pavel, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for hopping on again and and getting into the nitty gritty. It's so fun to just talk about these little details that can sometimes get lost in the mix of you know grinding and training. And um, it's it's always good to just kind of keep that brain stimulated. Um, any any parting thoughts before we sign off today?
1: I think good. Just uh, just wanted to say thank you. I loved it. Thank you, Colin.